types of relationships. And um, on the front of your uh, bulletin outline, you'll see the different titles of the different messages we've hit upon. Um, the first week we looked at desiring your mate, specifically looked at the romantic relationship that you experience in marriage and how to um, really make the most of that. And then also on the 20th, we looked at football and foxholes, the importance of uh, men having friendships with other men to encourage and strengthen each other. Last week we looked at um, ladies' friendships. But today we're looking at relationships, um, dating relationships, and really trying to figure out how do I know if this is the right person to marry? Um, you know, we, we've identified that an authentic friend is someone who is genuinely has your best interest in mind. They're really concerned with your best. They desire good for you as opposed to harm. Our enemies, they really want to harm us. They want what's bad for us. But a, an authentic friend, they genuinely desire your best. And so we've been trying to define this in terms of these different kinds of relationships that we have and then really trying to understand how to make the most of our, of our, of our relationships. Um, if you're single and you're here today, then I hope that there will be several things from the message that, that, you, that will be of helpful to you and you can um, apply to um, this area in your life. If you are already married, um, you're married already, I hope that you will also find some things that will be helpful to you. It's just As we look at what, what does marriage really require, Okay, so I hope this will be helpful across the board. Uh, there's some insights from the scripture that we're going to look at. And the first is this. The wow in, in relationships, romantically, is designed by God. We, we went into this uh, three, four weeks ago. And so if you'd like, you can log onto our website and catch up on any of the previous messages. If you'd like to, you can listen to everything there. Uh, but w- we talked about how God has designed us in a way that when men and women... Um, connect with each other, there's this wow that it happens in certain cases. Um, couples being attracted to each other. And this, this really can be uh, dated back to the beginning of human history. God, when he created Adam, the first man, um, he made him, he put him into a deep sleep, and then the Bible says that he formed out of one of Adam's ribs, he formed Eve. And when he presented Adam with Eve, when he brought Eve to Adam, this is what, this is what was said. It says, the man said, finally. He's like, kind of like, finally. He was really excited. This was a wow experience. He says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She's like me. You know, he had seen all these other pairs of animals, and he, he recognizes, she is like me. And there was this discovery that was made that day. He had this wow experience. And we're not going to go back into that story, but just, you know, this, this, the highlight of this was that it was a gift of God. God had provided something that was just right for Adam. And, you know, if you've ever experienced this gift, um, that, that wow experience is very, it, you know, it's a good thing. But just being wowed in general is really not enough. There are some other questions that we need to be asking ourselves about love. And if you're in the process of trying to determine if the person you're dating is the right one or or just trying to understand this idea in general, I encourage you to follow along. We're going to kind of work through some different points from the, from the Bible. But there's some other questions beyond just, does she wow me or does he wow me? There's some hidden questions implied in the, in the title of this message, Is It Love? Um, some hidden questions. The first one is this. Is it love really conceals the question, should I marry? Should I marry this person? 
Because it's possible to fall in love with a person who you should not marry. For example, if the person you're falling in love with happens to be married to someone else, um, then you should not marry that person. Uh, but just because the wow is there, just because there's this, this desire and a drawing towards someone doesn't necessarily mean that we should actually move towards marriage. There's some other questions that we need to ask. Um, so should I marry even conceals some other hidden questions. The, one of those questions is, is this even the right time? Is this the right time? This is a very, very important question because it may not be the right time to, to marry. Song of Solomon is a, is a love poem in the Old Testament. And here's what it says. Song of Solomon says, chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Don't excite love. Don't stir it up until the time is right. That's in a paraphrase of, of the Bible. But there's this idea that you can get ahead of the game. You can move too fast in a relationship. It's not the right time. There are just, there's some times in life where we shouldn't fall in love. Um, if, you're, if you're younger, if you're 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, that's not the right time to fall in love because there's so much change that's going to happen in your life. Um, I remember the first time I fell in love at 13. And I was infatuated with this, with this girl I met at a camp. There were these strong feelings there. We had a week together of just, you know, just great time, you know. And there's these tremendously powerful feelings, and then all of a sudden, you know, I have to go home, and she goes home, and we live in different parts of the state. Kind of like that story, you know, there's the motion picture about that, I'm sure. But, but you, you know, as a young boy, you know, when those feelings get denied, that can be pretty painful. And so it's true that there's just some times when it's just not right to stir up love. If you're too young, um, parents, you know, if you have a child that's 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, all the machinery is there. But it's just not the right time yet. You have to be very careful with your kids. You have to monitor what's going on in your, in your children's relationships because if their heart gets drawn in, it can be damaged. You know, if, if, if they give their heart away too soon, um, there's a price to be paid. So the, the Scripture encourages that we you know, don't stir up love too soon. You've got to actually guard your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs to guard our hearts. For everything flows out of our hearts. So we want to protect, not allowing it to get scarred early on in life. So sometimes the Scripture says we're just not ready. Um, another hidden question is this. Beyond, is this the right time? Another question is, is this even the right person? You know, you can marry people who can make life very difficult for you. And as soon as you decide to marry, you choose the person. Now you're in a relationship where um, you've made a covenant. You've, you've You've promised before God and before people that you're going to stay in this relationship. You're going to be committed in this relationship. So it's important to ask this question. Is this really the right person? Proverbs, the book of Proverbs has some warnings for us. Um, here's one of them, Proverbs 21:19. It says, it's better to live in the desert than with a nagging, irritable wife. And I, I, was, I was laughing at this verse. I was like, isn't that funny, honey? That's great. And she just gives me this, you know, a little bit of a look. And uh, what are you trying to say? And, uh, you know, this verse was not written for men who had nagging, irritable wives. This wasn't written for them. This was a warning to those who had yet to make that decision. This was a warning. 
It's better, it's better to live in the desert than, than to make this choice. Just watch out. We can easily make bad choices. It's a reminder also, if we are married, and this describes us, maybe you read yourself in, this, in the verse and you're thinking, oh, I wonder if, if my husband or wife would prefer to live in the desert than to relate to me sometimes. Um, but this should be a reminder about the type of person that God wants us to be, not to be a nagging person. Here's another verse about, is it the right person? Proverbs 13.4 says, Lazy people, they want much, but they get little. But those who work hard will prosper. You know, ladies, if you marry a guy who is lazy, it's going to be a pretty deprived life. He's going to want a lot, but he's not going to produce a whole lot. He's going to have all these desires, but he's not going to produce through work anything. He's going to be too lazy to do that. Similarly, if, if, if a woman chooses, <clears throat> I'm sorry, if you marry a woman who's lazy, that's, again, it's bad news. So there's, this, there's these warnings, nagging people, lazy people. They're just harder to live with in life. Um, can you live with them? Yes. It's just harder. It just makes life more difficult. So the scripture has some clear warnings for our own benefit. Um, now, I have to say this to everybody that is married. Okay? Before we get further on into this message, this could be, this could be um, a time where there's a lot of elbows and things like that. So what I want to encourage you is, if you're already married, then... The biblical answer to this question of, is this the right person? I'm already married. Is this the right person? The biblical answer is yes. Now, this is the right person. The question becomes not, is this love? You know, not, is it really love? But how do I love? How do I love my spouse? How do I, and then how do I um, act in relation to my spouse? What are the things I can work on? Not what can they work on, but what are the things that I really can change? Um, If you're not married and you're uh, mutually attracted to another person, then here's some, several questions we're going to look at that you need to answer about. Is this the right person? You want to look for evidence, okay? And so we're going to be talking about what are some evidences, what are the types of questions and the evidences that we should see in people um, so that we don't stir up love too early. The four big questions are this. First one is this. Does he or she measure up? You're, you're dating someone, you're getting to know someone. Does he or she measure up? You need to ask some questions about what does marriage really demand and then ask if this person measures up. And we're going to look at more of these questions. Again, warning, if you're already married, then that person is the right person for you. You've made a covenant before God. Uh, Don't make these a checklist for your spouse. Check. Nope. Nope. Really what you do is just figure out what is it I need to work on. Begin to work on these things um, on yourself. Second question is this, do I enjoy being with him? I'm sorry, do I enjoy being with and working with him or her? Seems like a silly question to ask. You know, do I enjoy being with the person? But the truth is a lot of people fall madly in love with a person that they despise. They don't really like each other. They're dating, they're attracted, there's all this infatuation, but then when they relate, they find out they just great on each other. And that seems kind of contradictory, contradictory, but it's true. People can really grate on each other, even though there might be strong, strong attraction. You can be so wowed that you just ignore certain things in the dating process, so you want to be careful in this area. <clears throat> you need to use marriage to get you closer to a person, not use a person to get you closer to marriage. Sometimes we lock onto the idea of, I want to be married, so I'll take anybody. And 
we use people to get to that point, to arrive at marriage. And um, it needs to be in marriage we grow closer to a person. Look at Proverbs 27.9. It says, Just as lotions and fragrance give sensual delight, a sweet friendship refreshes the soul. If there really is a good friendship with a person, that's a good thing. That's a pleasant thing. But if you really don't enjoy being around with if you don't enjoy being around them, even if you're infatuated, then it's probably not a good idea. You're going to be um, re- you're going to be regretful of the decision later on. Here's another question. This is a big question. Does he or she turn me on? We're in church. Can we even talk about this stuff? But uh, is there a wow? Is there a an attraction there? That's a question you need to ask if you're dating. I have a friend of mine who asks men when they come to him and they say, I'm not sure if this is the right person. The first question he always asks is, does she turn you on? And then they kind of look at him puzzled because he's a pastor and they would expect something different. And then he, does he ring your bell or does she ring your bell? And they're just kind of like, what? Well, there's this important part in a relationship, in a romantic relationship, that if you ignore that and, again, you just lock on to um, the idea of marriage, but there's no attraction. Then later on, there'll be a lot of regret. This is really a good part. There's there's places all around the world that this is not necessary. Attraction is not necessary. Parents, um, you know, they in certain cultures, parents arrange marriages, and so two people will just learn to love each other. But where we live in this country, um, you know, you have the privilege of picking someone. You have the privilege to be able to pick them, and so. Attraction, according to just the fact that in some cultures it's not, you know, some people don't have to, uh, it can be arranged. Attraction isn't absolutely necessary, but since we are in a place where you can pick a spouse, then it's good to have the wow. It's good to have that attraction there. You see the wow in the scripture. You see this this desire in the book of Song of Solomon. Look at Song of Solomon chapter 4 verse 3. It says, your lips are jewel red, your mouth elegant and inviting, your veiled cheeks soft and radiant. You can read the rest of it on your own if you'd like. It gets a little, uh, you know, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. <laughs> it gets a little past R. No, no, not past R, but it gets a little rated R. Okay, let's rewind a moment and just... <laughs> But the wow, what you discover in the scripture is the wow is really a part of it. This is a part of a relationship. It helps if there's some wow there. It's not the only thing. You want to watch the extremes. If there's no wow at all, that, that you know, over time, there'll be regret. If all there is is wow, but there's nothing more, again, there'll be regret. In our society, that, that seems to be the only question we ask. Does, does she wow you? You know, that, that's, that seems to be... All that's important, but there's more important questions. Just a side note, be careful in this area of attraction. You put too much emphasis on attraction, and that truly is all that that you're looking for. Um, You're going to miss some very important things. And also, you have to to watch out. What is shaping my view of attraction? You know, we're bombarded with images of of Hollywood and stars. You know, so if, if what is shaping your attraction is, you know, the red carpet stars and the and the swimsuit models, it's going to be hard to measure anybody up to that. And so, the question, you know, isn't, you know, are they, do they look like a star? 
But is there this while there? And then is there more? We're going to look at some of the other things that, that need to be in place. Do wise people genuinely agree with my answers? Do wise people genuinely agree with my answers? So people that walk with God, do they agree that, that the two of you actually work well together? Do they see that attraction? Do they see that people agree that this is a good thing? Oftentimes we secretly decide yes, and then we try to find people who will give us reasons to, to move forward, why we should. We do the same things in other major decisions, looking for jobs. We secretly decide what we want to do, and then we start polling people. And I was listening to a tape this week in a, in a men's Bible study, and he talked about how we lock on to our decision. So it might be you lock on to the person you want to marry, and, and then you keep asking people, and you go to person one, and they say, you know, I've got some questions. I'm not sure this is a good thing. So you dismiss person one. You go to person two. Well, what do you think? And, they, you know, they, they, they don't agree as well. And you, about down to person number nine, you get somebody who thinks it's a great thing. I, I see this really working out. Now you've got your, your, your support, and you just go and make your decision. And later, again, you pay for it. So you want to be careful that you don't just lock on to somebody without checking in with others who know you well. Don't play games with yourself. This is a really important area. Look at Proverbs 20:18. It says, "Don't go ahead with your plans without the advice of others. Don't go to war until they agree." War is a high-risk proposition. Marriage is a high-risk proposition. These are things that we don't want to just make decisions on lightly. The scripture is real clear that there's a there is too much to be paid if we just ignore the process of selecting. So find people with good sense and then, and then listen to what they say. Don't come already with a decision locked on, but be open to feedback. Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. I don't know how many times I've heard people come up to me and say, You know, I've, I've got this person, I really just have a peace about it. I have a peace about them. What do you think? Well, the scripture here says that a a fool, you know, they, they, they think they've figured it out. It seems right to him. So even a fool has a piece about it. We might have a piece about it, and we're being, we might be foolish. So we have to be careful. This is one of the reasons why the Scripture says go to people who are wiser than you, just in case you're being foolish. Sometimes, like love, when our emotions get involved, when we're infatuated, we become a little foolish at times. We begin to to evaluate some of the wrong things. And so we need people who are wiser than us to, to challenge us, to ask us the right kinds of questions, to help us make the right decisions. If you lock on, I found this quote, even the wisest person in the world is no help to the one whose mind is already made up. So, I mean, you, you have to hold your ideas and your plans with somewhat of an open hand if you're going to get counsel from others. Proverbs 15:12. It says, a mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. Now this person, he doesn't even want to talk to others. He or she. They just, they mock correction even. So they avoid generally talking to wise people. They, they've already locked on. So they'll just keep searching for people who will agree with them. There are some better marriage choices. Here are some things that, um, if you're single, you'll want to pay attention to these things. If you're already married, again, uh, Focus on changing yourself in these areas. That would be best in this. The first thing is this. Is, is he or she a team worker? Do they cooperate with others? 
Why? Why is this important? Marriage requires cooperation. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for about potentially 50, 60, even 70 years, depending on when you get married. It could be shorter, could even be longer, but that's a long time. And so you want to be sure that the person you're choosing is a team worker. If they don't cooperate well with others, then that means life is going to be pretty tough for you. Um, so you want to, Scripture says this, Proverbs 30, 24, and 27, speaking about how God displays some of His wisdom in the small creatures of the earth, even the bugs. It says, there are four things on earth that are small, but very wise. He talks about some different bugs, and then he gets to this bug. He says, the locusts, they have no king, but they're able to work together. You know, they don't need someone, they don't need the locust king to make them cooperate. They just, they work together in unison, and they devour the countryside. The, the locusts, they don't need a leader. They, they kind of file and rank together. They work well together. Cooperation, what you find the longer you live, is really a gift. It's a gift in friendship, certainly a gift in marriage. Um, some people are just outright loners. They, they don't join into things. They've got their own agenda, and they don't work well. They don't, they don't do friendship well. They kind of isolate themselves from other people. This is what the Scripture says. Loners who care only for themselves spit on the common good. There are people that we can link our lives with that, that they just spit on what's good for everyone else. You know, this person, they, they, they want what they want, and they decide nobody else's opinion, nobody else's input is needed or important. I'm the only one that matters in the moment. And so they just go about life on their own. They drive what they're wanting to do, and what happens is they pretty much stay alone most of their life. Their spouse tends to resent them. If you marry someone who's not a team worker, life is just going to be hard because the common good that will be spit on is yours. You'll be the one that's going to be paying the price long term if you marry someone who doesn't work well with others. So ask yourself, ladies, where does this guy cooperate with others? Where does he actually work well with others? Does he, does he, does he play fair? Um, guys, ask questions. Don't just ask, does she look like a supermodel? But where is she actually, where is she actually cooperating with her coworkers, maybe with her, her family? Look for evidence. Second better marriage choice is this. Is she, he or she kind? She genuinely helpful to others. Kindness is this. Kindness means I help other people with their goals. I, I, I'm not just concerned with myself alone, but I help other, other people accomplish their goals. Again, this is, this is tremendous in marriage. This does so much for a marriage relationship. If two people are working to serve the other person. And that just, that's a blessing. Something you'll be grateful for. The opposite is this. It's selfishness. It's arrogance. And again, that doesn't go well. Scripture says in the New Testament, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. So, one of the ways you can check this is, ladies, you can look and see, how does he treat his mother? How does he treat his sisters? If he has any sisters. You know, and, and men, look and see how she, how she cooperates with her family. Again, co-workers. Just look and see how those dynamics work. Is she kind? Is he kind? Because you'll experience that same thing in marriage. The third thing is this. Is, is he or she a reconciler? Does, 
to do. They clear up relationships. Why is this important? Because, in all honesty, we make each other mad, don't we? None of us are going to not have fights in our relationships. We're, if you're already married, you know you don't always agree with your spouse. You make he, you know, you make him or her mad, and so it's important that the person you're marrying is a reconciler. They have a track record of not just damaged relationships that once it gets messed up, they let it go and they move on, but that there's actually they're trying to patch things up. That's a high, high value. It's something that, as a church, we place a real high value on, clearing up relationships with others. Because God himself, he places a priority over clear relationships than he does even worship of himself. He, he wants people to come to him clear in their relationships, not just moving past them. Proverbs 17.1 says, Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. So essentially, it's better to have a piece of stale bread and peace in your house than it is to just have extravagant living with all sorts of bitterness, hatred, anger. That's just better to just have just a piece of stale bread and peace. You know, that's a good thing. So look for someone who does this. They clean up when they mess up. They don't just create problems and then walk away, but they clean up. They say sorry. They humble themselves. They repent of wrong. They actually recognize, I caused that problem here. If they've, if, they've, if they've done something, they take ownership and take responsibility for it. That's a really important thing. That'll be a real blessing. And then they do things rightly from then on. They're actually working to change. That's a reconciler. Proverbs 12.20 says, There is joy for those who promote peace. If you marry someone who's, who's truly a peacemaker, not a doormat, not someone who will seek peace at any price, but someone who is working to be a peacemaker, that's going to be a real joy for you in your home. Because you want, you want peace when you go to bed at night. You want peace when you're starting off the day. You don't want there just to be war at home. You want peace. Another thing is this. Is, is he or she respectful? Do they treat others as valuable and with consideration? If you marry someone who doesn't respect you, then that's going to be hard. In the Scripture, this goes both ways. Bible and the New Testament. In the New Testament church leaders, they talk to the husbands and the wives, generally in the same sections of the, the, the letters to the churches where the instruction would occur. And generally, the husbands and wives would be addressed in the same places, and the issue of respect came up in both, in both parts. So this is 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, Husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. If you respect a person, then you're considerate with them. You consider them to be valuable. They're actually a person. They're not a piece of trash. They're not an animal. They're a person. And so to show respect, to show kindness with your words, to treat them right, it's, it's an important thing. I've seen and, and met with people where that's just not the case. There's just there's no respect there. And it's really clear. There's just years of disrespect and then then loss of respect from the other person. Ephesians 5.33 says, Each of you must also love his wife, and the wife must respect her husband. So ladies and, and men, we need to treat each other with respect. For those of you who aren't married, this is a question. I'm sorry, for those of you who are married, is this a pattern in your life? Do you treat your spouse with respect? If it's not, you might circle this area. I need to work on respecting my spouse and the way I use my words and the way that I 
um, even you don't even have to say anything and, and choose to not respect. You can, with a glance, with your eyes, we can communicate really powerful things to each other. If you're thinking about marriage, then you need to ask yourself, does this person actually you know, respect me? Do they, do they demonstrate, is there a pattern of respect? Look for the evidence. Don't just, don't just hope, oh, this is the right person, so I, I'm just going to ignore all these other signs because I'm going to train them to be the kind of person that I'd like them to be. That just doesn't happen. Is there evidence? Another thing is, on the backside, is are they trustworthy? Can you count on them? Can you count on him or her to tell the truth? They're, are they truthful? You know, every single one of us has a struggle with lying. None of us could say, I've never lied this year. Everybody struggles in the area of honesty. Sometimes we shade the truth. Sometimes we, you know, white lies. Other times it's just a flat out lie to cover ourselves. But we struggle in this area. You know, are they trustworthy, generally? And if they've, if they've done wrong, if they've been dishonest, do they go and make it right? You know, because that's how you can clear up, again, you can clean up the lies just by going and saying, you know what, I said this and that wasn't exactly true, or I kind of kept some of the truth out. So do they do that? Can you count on him or her to be loyal? Can you count on him or her to keep their promises and to fulfill their responsibilities? If they're not doing these things, then they're simply putting on a good show. And again, what that brings about long-term is just a lot of pain. Look at Proverbs 25:19. It says, putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. It's just a major pain to be in relationship with an unreliable person. The last, or one of the last things is use, they use good judgment. This is not a category that we use very much. We tend to ignore judgment and sense, good sense. But poor judgment leads to poor consequences. Consequences that we have to live with. And so you you have to ask yourself, does does he or she exercise um, their sense? Do they engage their mind before they make decisions? That's what Proverbs 24.3 says. A house is built by wisdom and, and becomes strong through good sense. Bad sense tears down a house. Another thing is, do they have the same goal? Do we, are we moving in the same direction? Having the same goal is extremely important. Amos 3.3, do two people walk together, hand in hand, if they aren't going the same place? If you're going different places, then over time you separate. There's no way to stay together. Here's the triangle of time. Okay? Life is a lot like this triangle. If you both have the same goal, as the two of you pursue the goal, you draw closer and closer together. So with the same goal, two people draw closer. That's what happens. If you're working towards pleasing God in a relationship with Him, as you're moving towards pleasing Him, it's going to draw your lives together. If you're, alive, if you're not going the same place, you have separate goals in the area of, you know, even your relationship with God, that's probably one of the most important areas that will... Um, help you in your marriage long term. If you're going different directions when it comes to this area, it's over time. It's going to pull you guys apart. So just to t- wrap things up, important questions. I- I'd really encourage you, if you're in the process of dating, to really ask. You know, not just is it love, but go beyond that by asking, is it, is it truly the right time? 
is, and is this the right person? Because the choices we make, we build ourselves a future. And then later on we get to the future and we look back and we get angry and sometimes resentful with God, but we're the ones that God has entrusted with decision-making. He's not going to force us into anything. And so he's given us the tools to make wise decisions. So next week we're going to look at parenting and the importance of parenting and how to, how to hopefully, when your kids are grown up, that they'll want to have a relationship with you. And then the last week we're going to look at how to stay friends. What are some of the relationship killers to avoid in, in life? Well, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer as the band comes up.